This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. This is Willie Anderson, and you're listening to the iTest for Two. I test for two. That would be AB1, as in week one after Brady. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. And we're Hall of Fame voters, joined today, as always, by our Hall of Fame producer, Mr. Ian Glendon. And guys, let's get straight to it. I mean, you live in Tampa. You live in the Tampa area, Ian. Tom Brady's retired. What's the mood down there, Ira? I think it's a mixture of gratitude for two spectacular seasons for a moribund franchise um, and disappointment and uneasiness because now Clark, they, they need a quarterback. They got a pretty good team in a terrible division. Do they go with this kid, Kyle Trask? He's never thrown a pass. Ian, I'm interested in what you think they should do, but Clark, they're not going to be the only team that's interested in a veteran quarterback. There could be, there could be a bidding war going on this year. Yeah, and that was Ira talking about Kyle Trask, not Amy Trask. And Ian, um, I'll ask you, you're over in St. Pete. What's the mood over there? Uh, so pretty much the same gratitude. I, I think there's a sense of, I, I can't believe it It just happened so quickly. Like, it feels like just yesterday that, you know, obviously for, for Bucks fans that he was saying that, you know, he's, he's looking forward to the opportunity, and then all of a sudden, it's over. It's over. And I, I, I think the one thing that's left in any Bucks fan or, or Brady fans mind is this guy had a lot of football left and yeah. there's going to be a lot of what ifs, you know, just talking about the end of his career. But I, I think for the most part, like Ira said, though, I think there's a sense of gratitude and just appreciation um, for what he brought to this team and, 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 and what it could potentially do for this team moving forward as it continues to grow. Yeah, and I think you'd rather see him go out that way than Willie Mays with the Mets or Johnny Unitas with the Chargers. And Ian, I want to ask you, because I know you're a Patriots fan, even though Brady went down to Tampa, you followed him at Tampa, but you're a Patriots fan. People up here in New England, they were upset that he didn't mention Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, the club or the fans in his announcement. My response would be, didn't he do that once already? Didn't he do that when he left New England? I mean, what's the big deal? And how do you feel about it? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I think it's just it's just the sense of entitlement. I mean, that's all it is. It's like why why I deserve this or I de- no, you don't. He he thanked the Patriots organization, and the reality of it is, the last two years he was a Buccaneer, and they deserved the 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 thanks and appreciation that he showed them in that because not only was it a retirement announcement, they were getting the announcement that he was walking away. The same thing that us Patriots fans and those who follow that team experienced two years ago. So um, anyone who got really upset again, just kind of shows the entitlement of the, of the fan base in my opinion. And, and it was, it was embarrassing on my part because I happen to be a part of that fan base and I hope it doesn't represent <laughs> us as a whole. Um, but I, I, I think there's nothing but, 
from my perspective, nothing but appreciation for what he did for the Patriots. And the reality of it is, and, and look, I live down here, so I'm a little bit biased, but it, it was, if he couldn't do it for the Patriots, I was incredibly thankful and grateful that another fan base, especially one that has been as downtrodden as, as the Bucks fan base has and, and, and team has, was able to experience it. Because I remember early on, you know, when they signed a 40, then 43-year-old Tom Brady, it was like, uh, I mean, the name's great, but they were buying into the narrative that, hey, he was done because he underperformed into 2019. Well, I told him, I was like, wait, just watch, just see what happens. And some of those same people are sitting here today saying, I can't believe it's over. What an incredible ride, this, that, and the other. So, um, I don't know what the point of that was, but it basically showed the appreciation that he should be getting. It should be, thank you, Tom. This is an incredible run, not where's my thanks. Well, I and, uh, Clark, Clark, I want to I clear up one thing that it, it's been circulating a little bit. You tell me what you think, Clark. But some people are suggesting that part of Brady's decision, not the main driving force, but part of it was maybe a little loss of faith in Bruce Arians, a little – no. unsure whether the Bucks can compete, whether they can keep this thing going. I, I reject that, Clark. I, 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 I think that was, that's ridiculous. To, to me, he's been sounding the alarm for much of the past year. You know, his wife has been interested in having him involved in different things. He's suddenly got interested in things like a clothing line. He's doing a lot more commercials. He seems more available. He's doing his own um, podcasts and, and radio programs. And it, it just seemed like he was involved in things outside of the game and that his commitment, as he mentioned, wasn't quite the same. And uh, since Ian mentioned it, Ira, he was talking about appreciation. I'll ask you, this is a Hall of Fame themed show. Let's look ahead to what's next for TB12. And that's the Hall's class of 2027. He'll be in it. Ben Roethlisberger will be in it. In all likelihood, I think Rob Gronkowski will be in it. I don't see him coming back either with Tom Brady gone. Agreed, agreed. Um, Adrian Peterson, turns 37, I mean, he's, he'll likely be in it. He turns 37 next month. So there are four guys who I think are first ballot guys. And there's always the possibility, slim as it may be, always the possibility that Aaron Rodgers could be in it. That could be five first ballot Hall of Famers. We haven't had four before. I think we would do with those four that I mentioned, but you mentioned all five, they're all in. You agree? And Clark, you know, people that are waiting going into that season, they're going to have to wait another year. Yeah, that's right. Because we're going to go with the five best and they're all getting in if that's the case. They're getting it. I, I have a solution to that problem. What's that? Put, put Tom Brady in in 2023. No, not going to happen. For, not forget happen. For, forget the wait. Brown, didn't do it with Unitas. Didn't do it with Autogram. Didn't do it for anyone. Were they Tom Brady, though? There's precedent yeah, There's precedent in the NHL. I'm just saying. I'm just Autogram. saying. Autogram. Autogram. Ten seasons. Ten championship games. Well, maybe they should. Maybe they should have put him in then. <laughs> I'm, I'm with Clark. I, I will say this, a, a more realistic thing, and I'll, I'll, this will be my last thing I say about Tom. Um, maybe not the push for the Hall of Fame early, but uh, the Super Bowl MVP trophy is nameless. I don't think it should be anymore. I think it should be named after Tom Brady because, hey, no one has more than that. Uh, okay, well, I know, Ian, um, you, I, Ira, uh, we were all hoping to see Tom Brady in one more Super Bowl, but, but it didn't happen. Instead, we have the Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals repeat the Cincinnati Bengals in Super Bowl 56. And while the Rams aren't exactly a surprise, the Bengals certainly are. Until last month, they hadn't won a playoff game since 1991, Ira, a span of 
31 years, and now they're in the Super Bowl. How surprising is that? Well, we're going to ask our next guest and someone who put the Bengals back on the map, and that's former coach Marvin Lewis. Marvin, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Clark, I appreciate it. Ira, it's good to talk with you guys today. And uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a, uh, a storybook year for them. It's incredible. Well, let me get straight to it. How surprised are you that your former team is here? You look at it, they won six games the past two years, and now they're in the Super Bowl. So how surprised are you? Well, I, I think, you know, when you really look at the season, one of the things they did, they're at least kind of like team in the National Football League. And so when you don't hurt yourself, you're able to overcome and stay in games. And I think they did a great job of that this year and uh, had two great comeback wins uh, versus the Chiefs and, uh, you know, fought back into many games and won them at the end. Well, as you know, and Ira knows, the, the Bengals had gone through 12 straight non-winning seasons. And Ian, I don't know if you would pay attention to stats, but this stat's pretty noticeable they were 55 and 137 during that time that's before Marvin Lewis was hired and restored respect respectability to the franchise he won four division titles and he took the team to the playoffs seven times but Marvin you know you never won a playoff game how frustrating was that well you don't set out to win a playoff game you set out to be world champions Uh, that's the goal and uh, obviously, in order to be world champions, you've got to win playoff games along the way. So, yeah, it was disappointing uh, that we never advanced into the, through the playoffs uh, like that and had an opportunity like they have in a Sunday from now. So, um, you know, that, that, that uh, you know, I failed to get them there. Marvin, the, uh, the Brian Flory suit is, is very much uh, in the news. You've talked about it a little bit. Uh, Marvin, uh, MLB, baseball's got the same problem. I I believe they only have two black managers. So, Marvin, let me get to the heart of it. Um, In your mind, Marvin, is it that these owners, the ultimate decision makers, are just not comfortable with uh, having black people as the face of their franchise, or is it any more than that? Well, I I don't know if it's any more than that. I I just think, uh, obviously, uh, there has been no progress made. It's gone backwards, and I don't know why. But but the the situation that the National Football League is right now uh, does not reflect very well. There has been uh, no change. There has been, uh, really, it's it's gone in reverse, and uh, and I don't think it's going to get, it's not going to get better this, this hiring cycle. Marvin, uh, this is a very Hall of Fame-centric show. We talk a lot about the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Marvin, I want to ask you about a guy uh, that we've had on twice and that you had the the pleasure of coaching, Marvin Willie Anderson. Clark and I look at him as a guy with kind of no blemishes. There's nothing really you can knock Willie Anderson on. What was it like coaching that man? It was was just incredible. And uh, I can remember... In 2003, when I had the pleasure of uh, coming to Willie and tell him that he had been selected to go to the Pro Bowl, and uh, and the tears that came out of his eyes immediately, and I just think uh, that's one of the great things uh, about coaching this game 
and having the opportunity to watch these young men uh, achieve their goals. We're speaking with former Cincinnati head coach Marvin Lewis on the eye test for two. And Marvin, I'll follow up with Ira on this. If you were to address the Hall of Fame selectors and talk to them about Willie Anderson, what would you tell them to make sure that they understand he is Hall of Fame worthy? I think one of the things when you look at the Hall of Fame players, they all made their teams better, right? From the, I mean, that was that's true as you look across the board. I think, secondly, the fact that when you play offensive line, look at the production that the offensive skill players had uh, because he was part of that offensive line, be it Corey Dillon, Rudy Johnson, Carson Palmer, um, and the production those guys had uh, when, you know. And then for coach, on the coaching side, when you game plan, you don't have to worry about certain things. You know, you can slide the protection a different direction because you know you got one side locked down. You know, you can run the football on that side of the on that side of the formation all the time, and that's something that Willie did, and was also a, a tremendous leader on that football team that you knew were you going to count on to lead the young guys in the battle and in 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 through everything, the off season, training camp, in every way. Well, since you mentioned Corey Dillon in there, he's another guy that Iris mentioned on this program. Probably should get some Hall of Fame recognition. And not, not saying that he belongs, but should be in that discussion. You look at his record, and, and it speaks for itself. And it's certainly after he went to New England, it speaks for itself, too. Um, is that somebody else that you would consider as a Hall of Fame-worthy candidate? There's no doubt that he, he's on a par with these other players that have already been selected and are in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he set an NFL record one season for – well over 200 yards in the game. I don't know the exact numbers. And I got the pleasure of coaching or displeasure of coaching against him for many years. And, and frankly, the first thing I, I said to him after training camp that first year in 03, you're better than I knew you were when I was coaching against you. I mean, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and that's the thing. So, Corey, uh, physical, fast, can catch, run, and put up great numbers, did not play on many winning football teams, and that was the issue. Yeah. Marvin, how, how impressed are you with this Bengals quarterback, Joe Burrow, Marvin? He moves better than people think he does. He's got a cool head. He came back from, uh, from uh, surgery uh, in a rapid manner. Um, how good is this kid going to be down the line, uh, uh, even better than he is now, Marvin? Well, I think he's you – know, no doubt he's going to continue to improve, and he's excellent now. And, uh, you know, uh, Mike Brown told me the other day, he said, you know, you, know you, you, you need some breaks and everything. He says, we're getting a break. I said, Mike, that quarterback helps making those breaks. He said, yeah, you're right, he does. And uh, he, he, he makes things happen. And as you just mentioned, he's very cool in doing it. And uh, he doesn't seem uh, to be – uh, if he makes an error, he seems unflappable to come back, put it behind him, move forward, and make a better play. Marvin, uh, Tom Brady's not the only future Hall of Fame quarterback that retired. Um, you and Ben Roethlisberger had some memorable matchups, Marvin, when you were a uh, coordinator, when you were a coach. Um, what, what are your memories of, uh, of Big Ben, Marvin? Well, it was just as a, you know, it wasn't when I was a coordinator. I guess my, my right. last official game as the head coach of the Bengals. I was the coordinator and Ben was the quarterback in 18, but uh, that was the only time I really called defenses against Ben uh, right. that way as, as the coordinator. But uh, 
you know, because I, you know, literally Ben visited us in training camp in 03 uh, with his head coach from Miami of Ohio. And I remember Mike saying to me, you know, talking about how, how he, how talented he was. And then when the Steelers were fortunate enough to draft, he's like, doggone, they got a quarterback. And so I saw Ben from 04 all the way through and, uh, you know, saw uh, him the first year when they got in the playoffs, his rookie season. And, and then obviously when they won the Super Bowl thereafter uh, with Bill. So I, I've witnessed it all. And uh, he's been a great competitor, uh, somebody that uh, I always look forward to talking to before the game, uh, seeing him in the off season at different events. And uh, I'm just happy for him. And I'm glad he's going out where his body looks to be intact, uh, which is a good thing. We're with former Cincinnati head coach Marvin Lewis on the eye test for two. And Marvin, uh, the Bengals division title this year was the first since you were the coach there in 2015. I'm sure you know that. Um, but does this team remind you of, of any that you coached there? And, and since you mentioned Carson Palmer, Maybe that 2005 club that was 11 and five with him and then unfortunately bowed out in the playoffs when he got hurt against Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers in the playoffs. And 2015 and we can go on and on. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, and, and, and Mike Brown would tell you this, you know, he felt like some of the teams maybe uh, had that kind of ability, but unfortunately we had to play those games without our starting quarterback. And uh, and we came up short. So, um, but no, I, I think to me, uh, the two wide receivers are just playing at the top of the game. Uh, Tyler Boyd on the inside. Uh, obviously, Joe has had a fantastic season as the runner. Um, you know, CJ Uzoma has emerged uh, as a threat at tight end. And then the defense is, you know, applying pressure, but they're making stops. You know, sacks don't necessarily win in the NFL, but they help you win and they help you minimize the gains and so forth. And they're doing a good job of making stops when they need to on defense and, and the timely turnovers. And, you know, Sam Hubbard uh, has played a, has a, has had a tremendous role there this year, uh, who was just a young emerging player when I was there. And, and the vision we had for him, uh, you know, is what we're seeing out there now. Marvin, you spent a lot of time in, in Cincinnati with the Bengals. What do you consider your greatest accomplishment there? Uh, I think, you know, we all go into this, and as I said earlier, the goal is to win the Super Bowl. But I do think I, I, I left things better than uh, maybe when I found it. And, uh, and that's all I can and do. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for all the players and the coaches that we had and the opportunities that they had to achieve their goals in their career. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, feel good about when the city was down down, down, uh, to give them an opportunity uh, to come out to Paul Brown Stadium and pack that place and, and cheer again like they did this year. So uh, that's probably the thing, you know. I mean, as I was fortunate to be there for that long with, with the, the Bengals, the city of Cincinnati, and Mike and, and his family. And, uh, you know, you have to reinvent when you're a head coach that long in one spot. you got to reinvent, you know, a number of times. And, uh, and we had to do that. We had to make transitions through players, through scheme. And, uh, and, and I'm happy we were able to, to make those uh, transitions and come out stronger each time. So, and, uh, but it's a, it's a job that we all know we're not going to be in it forever. 
and that's just the way coaching is. Marvin, last two for me. Thanks so much for your time. Marvin, you spent all those years in Cincinnati, and so I'm going to ask you, uh, what did you learn, Marvin, about that fan base, the sports fan base? Is it a baseball town, Marvin, or what's um, what's kind of unique about the Cincinnati sports fan? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, it is it's a, <laughs> it is kind of they want to be a baseball town as soon as the Reds start, man. Opening day and those first games, man, everybody's fired up and going and. You know, I've had the pleasure of becoming friends with the Castellini family now that owns the, the, the club. And uh, I just feel for them because I know Bob hangs on every freaking pitch. <laughs> and, uh, it's just, it's, it's awesome. But they want to win. And now they're winning. And the Reds had a, you know, they didn't finish the season as, as well as they were going. But they want to win. Everybody wants to win. And I'm just so happy. Uh, for the fans of the Bengals, that now they don't have to feel uh, secondary to, you know, I, I coached in Pittsburgh and Baltimore, and uh, there's nothing secondary anymore. You know what I'm saying? And that's like we won the Super Bowl in Baltimore from Oz. And I said, Oz, we're the Zenith. We were rose from the ashes. Well, they rose from the ashes in Cincinnati this year, and you feel great about things. Marvin, last one for me. Uh, You've seen all the transitions that this league's done, Marvin, in terms of overtime, changing protocols. Now it's been in the news again uh, in terms of uh, giving each team at least one possession. What, what's the Marvin Lewis take on what needs to be done about playoff overtime, if anything? Play defense. <laughs> yeah, all right. All right. All right. Call a football team. There's yes. Two sides. You know, Hallelujah. There's two sides, you know. And, so, Marvin, uh, you, would, you wouldn't change it, right? You would not change it? I would not change No, sir, I would not change it. Um, I think, that. you know, there is obviously the change they put in that if they kick the field goal, now the other squad gets an opportunity. But I would not change it. I think you got to play defense. It's, it's a football team, and, uh, and that's the way it goes. I mean, what are we going to have, you know, each team scores a touchdown, then what are we going to do? You know what I mean? It, it, it's always going to be somebody that's not happy. And, that's and right. it's not fair. You know, well, fair is play defense. You know, the other side's paid as well. So let's go. Spoken like an old defensive coach, Clark. <laughs> Been a head right. coach for 16 years. You know? Yeah. <laughs> an offensive guy. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that 100%. Um, a couple last ones for me, Marvin. Um, I referenced Brian Flores earlier. I, I want to ask you about one comment, and that's in particular the the allegations of money for tanking that uh, Miami owner Stephen Ross was allegedly um, making to Brian. What do you make of that? Because if, in fact, that's true, that strikes at the integrity of the game. Um, is that alarming to you? And if so, how alarming? There's no question it's alarming. You're right. It's and, and let's go back. And then the NFL comes out and says there's no merit to these allegations. Come on. You have to look into these things. And number one, uh, for when you look back on it, I remember people talking about tanking for Tua that season. Yeah. And so where does that come from? And when you look at that, it's incredible. I, you know, in, in 2003, when I took over for the Bengals, people said, well, you didn't play Carson Palmer. Well, maybe I screwed up and should have. 
but I didn't want the team to blame losing on one player. And guys said, you know, we got a quarterback in John Kitna. They didn't think we should even spend the first pick on Carson Palmer that were on the squad at the time. But he was by far, we felt the best player in the draft and the one that would be a premier quarterback for a long, long time. And no question he was. And, uh, but we didn't, you know, we, I took the pressure off of him that year. And then, so I just think you have to win. As a coach, you have to win. How can you look at people in the locker room and not winning? They're not necessarily promised the next year. And the coach is certainly on promise the next year uh, that way. So um, you, you just – I don't understand. You can't do this job and, and not do it uh, to the fullest of your ability. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And, and Ian's a big uh, Tom Brady fan, and, and actually I'm a, a big admirer of Brady as well. And I think you, you suspend Tom Brady four games for having, quote, unquote, a general awareness of air being out of a football. Well, here is allegedly an owner – Basically saying, tank the games. We're going to throw the games. And, and that really strikes me as at the integrity of the game. Forget about Brady. This is at the integrity of the game. And I was, I was appalled by it, actually appalled. Um, I've got one last question for you, Marvin, and, and that's back to the Bengals. How do you expect them to respond in the Super Bowl? And, and who do you like in the game? <laughs> I, 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 I can't, you know. <laughs> the only thing I, I expect them to come out. I expect them to come out and play their tails off is what I expect. I think uh, the coaching staff has done a great job all season with these guys. These guys believe in each other. And, uh, um, and you know, obviously I've got a fondness for the guy that lines up at left tackle over there for the Rams uh, and right. their staff as well. And, uh, you know, but I, you know, to, just like when Mr. Modell got to hoist that trophy, uh, in Baltimore, I would love to see Mike Brown uh, hoist that trophy. And, yeah, uh, you know, that would, uh, you know, uh, to see his smile the other day after the game uh, was great. I know how much every one of these games means to him. And um, get the people of Cincinnati off his head. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, because that's the only thing he cares about is that football team winning. And uh, and so I'm I'm happy for him, his family, uh, that way. So uh, that would be tremendous. Marvin, you going to be at the game? Uh, no, sir. Mike offered or kind of offered. I think he did. I wasn't sure what he was saying, but <laughs> <laughs> this isn't about me. Uh, you know, it, it really isn't. It, it, it's it's uh, you know, uh, it's I actually have to do a charity event back in Cincinnati. Friday night after the following Friday, and they, and I kept telling the people, come downplay this because they they're billing it as Marvin returns, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> well, but Marvin, we hope, cause, <laughs> we hope you return to this program in the future. It's always good to catch up with you, and thanks so much for the time. You're welcome. You're welcome, guys. Thanks, thanks Marvin. Marvin. Okay. You got it. That was former Cincinnati coach Marvin Lewis. And Ira, you know what? The city owes him a great debt of gratitude. He did put the Bengals back on the map. He got them to respectability again after, what, 12 years of, of, of this horrid play. And Clark, uh, of all the guys, you know, including um, Todd Bowles here, uh, yeah. Brian Flores, of all the guys, Clark, you can make the case for Marvin Lewis deserves a second chance 
Oh, no question. He did it for a long time in Cincinnati. Absolutely. And you know what? The other thing, I was glad to see him respond to your question about overtime because I've said that the same thing. I think, Ian, we talked about it. Just keep it the way it is. Play defense. Don't complain about overtime when you can't play defense for 13 seconds. Anyway, I was glad to see that. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Was somebody somewhere, Clark? <laughs> yeah, I guess so, because it's our I was there segment. And it's my turn, Ira. And I was there on Sunday, October 14th, 2001, when Ian was, I think, 15 years old. I was in Foxborough Stadium, not Gillette Stadium, Foxborough Stadium. Game between the Patriots and the Chargers. And because we opened with a Tom Brady theme, I thought we'd sort of close it with it because this was his breakout game. And Ian, you may remember, he won his first start. Then they go to Miami. They got trashed 30 to 10. Then he comes back to play the Chargers. And I had covered the Chargers not that uh, long before. So I wanted to go up and see them play. I had no idea what he was about. But let's see this young kid play. Completed 33 of 54 passes for 364 yards. And they won 29, 26 in overtime. But there were two things that struck me. One is his, his play, but there were two other things. One was a Doug Flutie fumble. Doug Flutie was the quarterback for the Chargers. And they're trying to kill time at the end so that he has to spike the ball, right? Because they're coming for the winning field. Instead of spiking, he fumbled a snap. And he loses a couple yards on it. And when he fumbled it, and they called it to bring out Wade Ritchie for a 59-yard field goal. It wasn't like today. He didn't make it. He didn't make it. The second thing was afterwards, I was in the Chargers locker room. And I remember talking to someone, and I heard screaming and yelling from the coaches area, closed doors. John Butler was the GM at that time. And God rest his soul. John was a friend of mine. But um, he comes out, and his face is scarlet red. And he had just lit up somebody. He had just lit up somebody and went, Wow, uh, I've seldom seen that. And it was in front of everyone. The players knew it. But anyway, Ian, that was a signature Brady game. And Ira, that's why I remember it, signature Brady game. Chargers have a decent team that year, Clark? They did, yeah, but but they didn't do anything. I mean, they should have had a better team. But they didn't do anything until 2004. And then Drew Brees became Drew Brees, and, and they went to the top of the division. Um, Ira, final thoughts? Well, the Bucs are now looking, Clark, again. At door number two. Door number two. Um, And Clark, some people, not a lot, but some of the fan base says, why don't you just go with this kid Trask and see what you got? Yeah. See what you got. Yeah. Clark, it sounds good, but Bruce Arians at this stage of his coaching career, I I don't think that's going to happen, Clark. I don't think it's going to happen. How long do you think he's there, Ira? I think one or two years. And um, I I think the only reason he's coming back without Brady, which I think he is coming back, is in his mind, this division's wide open. And and, and it is wide open, especially with what's going on in New Orleans. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the the Brian Flores thing earlier, because to me, that is a huge deal because of the integrity of the game that Roger Goodell always talks about. And as I said, you suspend Brady for four games for having a general awareness of air being out of a football. Um, what are you going to do here if this is in fact true? You have at least one owner accused of pain to, to lose games. There have another owner, and that'd be Jimmy Haslam in Cleveland, who at least is uh, suggested as paying a coach to lose games. What do you do if in fact that's true? Because that, to me, is the integrity of the game. That's throwing football games. Uh, Clark, here's a story. Ian, you got to weigh in on this because you remember this. Clark, at the end of the 2014 season, the last game, and 
that was the year that Jameis Winston and Mariota were, oh, were yeah, the that's top right. guys in the yeah. draft. And Ian, do you remember the Bucks had a terrible team and they were beating the Saints, I think 10 points at halftime. Um, Ian, all of a sudden, Levane David doesn't play the second half. He doesn't play. And the Bucks lose the game and they get the number one pick, Clark. And after the game, I think Lovey Smith was the coach and it was his first year in Tampa. And they asked Smith, what, what was going on with Levane Smith? What, what, was he hurt? And Clark, Lovey Smith's answer was, hey, we wanted to take a look at, at, at some other guys. <laughs> uh, he was their best player. They wanted to lose that game, Clark. They wanted to lose that game. And, and, and the rumor is that the Glazers called down to the field at halftime and said, what, what the hell are you guys doing? Ian, do you remember that? I, I do because, again, I, I, I've always been against the idea of tanking. And I, you, you've kind of mentioned it, I believe, Clark. You, you brought up it, it, it's, it, it's the collateral damage that people right. don't see. It's the fringe players that, you know, this could be their only opportunity. It could be the coaches. I mean, you, you look at you look at Brian Flores, who basically refused to take a dive for for this franchise and still managed yeah. to win, have two winning seasons. But it's it's the fringe players that you know maybe they're looking for another job, and and teams are like, well, you were on this team that lost. I mean, we'd rather go with this guy. So it, it's guys like that that are affected by this that that really take a jab at the integrity of the game. So, um, you know, a season long versus. Look, if you're if you're already either one or two, you're you're you know, few wins in the league, whatever. If you, if if maybe you make a decision in the last game, a decision may, maybe not to play a player. That's one thing to have a effort throughout the entire year to tank games. I think that's a massive, massive issue. But I do remember that very vividly, and um, <laughs> it's uh, funny how these things work out because remember Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, the rage of the the NFL, the talk of the town, and oh, sure, yep. One and two, and where are they now? Where are they now, <laughs> Clark? Do you think, Clark? Do you think that in the end, if Ross was ambivalent, he didn't know whether to bring Flores back or not, Clark? Do you think in the end that Flores' refusal to play along with Ross played a role, maybe in, in uh, the ultimate decision to dump him? Well, absolutely. If in fact this is true, we don't know that. If in fact this is true, what he's saying, absolutely. I mean, absolutely, I would think so. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's funny because they said that he allegedly didn't get along with Tua Tagovailoa, and, and so that was one of the reasons. I don't know that anyone's heard from the quarterback. I'd like to hear what he has to say. I mean, is that true? <laughs> Let's, I'd like to get to that. But anyway, this is just, to me, the beginning of a serious, serious story that the NFL doesn't want to touch before they're carting out a Super Bowl. Hey, one other thing I want to deal with here, guys, before we go. There's a new football team. No, new football nickname in Washington, the Commanders. And you know what? It, it does lend itself to all sorts of jokes, some of which say people say, oh, we're not going to start calling them the, the commies. And one person suggested <laughs> that they change the name of their home field to Commode Stadium. Um, and, and I don't know if you know Mark Wicker. I'm sure you do, Ira. Yeah. He just actually, unfortunately, retired this week as a columnist for the Orange County Register, great columnist, but he suggested that they change their name, and I liked it, to the Pigskins. A, because there's a connection with the old name, and B, there's a connection <laughs> to the Hogs from the 1980s. And I went, that's perfect. You know what? I just want to see how this plays out when the commies play the Patriots. I want to see how it plays out there. You know, Clark, I'll say this. By whatever name you want to call them, 
as long as Daniel Snyder is standing in that executive suite, they're going to suck. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. <laughs> fortunately, yeah. this saw, this uh, show did not. Fortunately, it did not. <laughs> but we're going to pull uh, the curtain down on it. That's going to do it. If you want to find this or any I Test for Two podcast, just go to fullpresscoverage.com. Pull down the podcast icon from the toolbar. And then you click on the I Test for Two. It's so easy, Ira, that your dog can do it, right? Well, Little okay. Cosmo can do it. He's doing Cosmo it right now. Cosmo can do it. Cosmo <laughs> can do it. Anyway, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.